0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Go Broke Trying. I am your host, Rennie. And if you are new here, let me tell you a little bit about the show. This show is all about how to not go broke trying to live your best life. So on this podcast today, we're going to be talking about how to not go broke trying to build generational wealth. And if you know me, many of you know that I do not have children yet, but I brought someone on who does have children and is building generational wealth for those children so she went from in debt to now investing for her young children and i'm really excited for her to teach us all about it and teach us how to not go broke trying to build generational wealth so i have natalie on the podcast hi natalie hello rennie thank you for coming on the podcast
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you. And I've been following you for a while. So I'm really excited to have you share all of your knowledge with my audience. So I like to start off all my seg- all my podcast episodes with a Renny Rated segment. And if you don't know what Renny Rated is, everybody, Renny Rated are basically the products that I am loving, the services that I'm loving, the songs that I'm loving, anything that I'm loving right now. So I want to ask you, what is your, what are you currently loving right, at this point in time? A ser- it can be anything 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 oh
1: my gosh put me on the spot i'd say <laughs> maybe drake's latest album
0: mm, i love it i, I love l- it
1: because it's dance music
0: yeah yeah i, I you know i still haven't listened to it it's been oh. how long has it been like a few months a few months yeah. definitely yeah i know i'm out of the loop but okay great it's good it has yeah. good dance songs on it yeah i yeah. heard people were calling people didn't like it because of the dance yeah but i'm like people need to grow up, and you know, like yeah. it's
1: good dance music. Yeah. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's get into you. Oh, maybe you want to introduce yourself. Actually, just a, a brief intro about yourself.
1: I'm Natalie. My page is Forever Mrs. Budget and Mother of Two. And I talk about how to build generational wealth using your nine to five. And I give tips about saving money and investing for kids.
0: Cool. And I want to go back to the beginning of your life, basically. <laughs> So I want to know, where did you grow up and what was your relationship like with money growing up?
1: So I grew up, uh, my parents are from Trinidad and Tobago, but they came to Ottawa, Ontario. So we lived there for a while, but they got divorced. So then my mom, me and my sister, and then we moved to Mississauga, Ontario. Mm. And that's where we grew up. And learn about money from my mother and how she hustled, took care of us, uh, multiple jobs. And uh, investing, she has always been a homeowner that I can think of. Her and her, all of her sisters, they're all homeowners. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. Like each sister helped each sister get a home. Oh, that's really nice. So, yeah. And and growing up, I've always been told, "Make make sure you own. Make sure you own. Make sure you own. So that really motivated me to get into investing and uh, learning about that but just saving my money and just the methods she used to save money and hustle and everything like that so
0: so would you say that your mom raised you to be financially literate
1: uh yes and no okay <laughs> obviously she doesn't know everything and investing yeah. I you never had stocks or anything mm-hmm. like that as kids or like major savings, like you're broke. Yeah. So <laughs> if you wanna call it that, I guess, broke or, yeah. you
0: know. <laughs> Don't go <call poor>. broke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, but uh, savvy, saving money, you know, how to get things and when you need help mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That I learned a lot mm-hmm. from
0: my mother. And I think that happens a lot where our parents emphasize home ownership and it's like a huge thing, especially with immigrants who come to yeah. Canada. It's like, the home is the most important thing to have, right? Definitely. definitely. Uh, but yeah, okay. So, what was? Your, do you remember your first memory of money? Uh,
1: n- my memory would actually be a, a photo of mm-hmm. my mother holding a lottery. Check,
0: oh, okay.
1: Um, of fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow! Well. <laughs> always wondering what happened to the fifty thousand dollars because I don't remember it being reflected in her childhood, mm-hmm. right? Like when you think oh, yeah, we have, like, a nice toys. No. Or no. <laughs> we have, like, you know, like, really nice clothes. No. <laughs> so, like, where did that go? But then, you know, she's like, I was a single mother. Yeah. Just no help and very expensive. Like, now, with me as a mother, I, I reflect with her and I message her, how did you do it? I'm, like, I'm married, double income, and I'm struggling mm-hmm. just, you know, with parenting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, that's, like, my first memory of that. You know, money comes in, but you you need it for certain things, especially as a single mother raising two kids.
0: Definitely. And I saw on your Instagram that you posted a post that detailed your entire life and your journey so far. So you said that from ages 0 to 18 it was broke life from ages 19 to 35 still broke and racked up over $70,000 in debt from age 36 to 41 you got it together paid off all your debt you built up an emergency fund you became a homeowner and then you started investment portfolios for yourself and your kids so I was like wow that's an impressive timeline like you went from basically financially illiterate to financially literate and building generational wealth as we said so I wanted to really dive into each of those segments if you don't mind and like tell us a little bit about what happened so from ages zero to 18 like when you say broke what 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 was happening so when
1: i say broke and you you know grew up in the ghetto like area Mm -hmm. sandwiches for school were butter and jam like (laughs) we didn't have money Mm -hmm. basically uh excess money you know we're just pretty much what my mom had is what she had and the help she had is what she had and We didn't have name-brand clothing and, you know, we got hand-me-downs from my cousins or we went to bargain stores and uh, we ate whatever she cooked and what was there. So that's what I mean by broke life. And Mm -hmm. as a teenager, I didn't have a car. I was taking the bus or walking, uh, whichever one I had to do. And again, still, you know, not name-brand clothing or shoes or, you know, luxurious cars you no, know, the cars basic mm-hmm. and you know God's from a to b and that was pretty much it till even when i was working i still didn't have a lot of money because i was financially illiterate and mm-hmm. spending it on everything and anything and not saving any money
0: zero zero dollars saved okay <laughs> and how did that how did so how did the way that you grew up with and the way you interacted with money how did it impact when you turned 19 i guess like and you said you were still broke. So yeah. what, what happened when you so turned Still into, broke yeah. is
1: basically I started to go to college. Uh, and where the broke came from, still broke, is that I didn't know what I wanted to do, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I went from general education. No, sorry. Marketing was my first school. Okay. And I dropped out. Okay, And that, again, was a student loan. So oh, that money yeah. went to waste, <laughs> to my debt. Yeah. And then I went to law clerk. And that was a waste. I didn't finish, dropped out. And um, got cut off a little bit from OSAP uh, because I didn't finish any programs. Ah. That was a rule back then. Oh. you had to finish to keep getting money. And then from there, I finally decided, okay, I'm going into nursing school. So that was more debt. And that was also me working and a little bit of OSAP. Mm-hmm.
0: And how did you... So you said $70,000 in debt. Was that from school so or school, was that...
1: School. Mm-hmm. Uh, then came the cars. Still still not smart. Yeah. Still, not, still not smart, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so my first car was a gift from my mother. It was her car and then she got a new car. And it was basic... I believe it was a Hyundai. I can't remember. It was a hatchback car. Mm-hmm. Um. But that wasn't cool enough for me.
0: So... <laughs> You like I got this free car but no. No, I'm, right?
1: No. <laughs> I don't have payments but no. Yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Let's go into debt. Yeah. So, uh from there I got a car um a Pontiac G5
0: hatchback. Okay.
1: And that was a lot of money and I didn't have good credit. So, my first car that I financed by myself, the interest rate was 21.99% oh my on God. a car. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> on a car. Yes. So,
1: uh, you can imagine 21.99%. I was racking in the interest yeah. and the debt. And the dealership said, if you do one year straight payments without missing a payment, then you can refinance into a brand new car. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> More debt. And we'll lower the interest rate. So I did that. And I did a whole year refinanced To To what? And gone to a new interest rate and that was 3.99%.
0: Oh wow. Okay. That's definitely better. Way better. Right.
1: Way better. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine I went from one car to the second car. So the debt from the first car carried into the second car Mm -hmm. and that's even more debt. So the car debt was around at the end, maybe 45 grand. And, um, yes, that I still have that car today. It's paid off, but Mm -hmm. that car is the one I drive right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, The rest of the debt was school, uh, credit cards, Mm. uh, a phone bill from college I completely forgot about that went to collections,
0: Collections,
1: and a store card that I forgot about uh, that I just randomly signed up in the mall to get a free (laughs) gift. (laughs) To get a free gift. What what are we doing? Yes. Uh, And then bank credit cards. And then that was it. So that Mm -hmm. was way over $70,000.
0: Wow. And did any payday loans in there? Is that something? Payday loans,
1: yes. Mm -hmm. I had payday loans because I was just struggling to keep up Mm -hmm. with all the payments and the debt. And uh, the payday loans, you know, I I got into a horrible cycle. And I asked a family friend and he helped me get out of that. And as well, he helped me get out of the phone bill I forgot from school.
0: Oh, that's sweet of him to help you. Yeah, definitely. So... Okay, so we're talking about seventy thousand dollars worth in debt. Ah, yeah. uh, what was the biggest mistake that led you to this to this debt and I, like so that our listeners don't make the same mistake.
1: I would say pretty much not learning and not reading the fine print mm-hmm. or understanding what you're signing and what you're doing, yeah, like there was really no guidance there. It's you know the salesman pushing you to do it. There's no one there. On your side, advocating for you, saying, so you know, you're going to be in, you make this much amount of money a year,
0: and now you're taking on another car debt at 20,000
1: or 20% at, interest. Yeah, 21.99% yeah. interest. And I didn't know the calculations on that. Mm-hmm. All I saw was the, the low payment that I was paying, the low mm-hmm. payment. And that's really obviously on my fault for not understanding, but as well as education the school system. Where you don't even
0: learn that at all. Trash education system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't
1: learn that at all, at budgeting, all, yeah. finance, like that. So it's really about learning and advocating for yourself to under- to fully understand what you're signing, what you're getting into, and how it's going to affect you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us, you – from age 36 to 41, you yes. were able to now get out of that debt. So can you give us a detailed breakdown of how you got out of the debt? Because I think a lot of people who are listening are probably in debt and they want to know exactly like the steps that you took to get out, like practical, maybe so, as many steps as you can give us.
1: No problem. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have all that $70,000 debt By that. at 36. Mm-hmm. A good chunk of it was already paid off. And that was through uh, pretty much learning to budget. Okay. And Which is
0: why they call you Forever Mrs. Budget. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, organizing my bills, uh, call, figuring out what was on my credit report, all um, the interest rates, and making steps on monthly payments. Okay. and Working extra and sacrificing. And my husband came into the picture. We got married um, when I was 35. Mm-hmm. So his debt is my debt. <laughs> and uh but all together the our combined debt was maybe like i don't know like over sixty thousand, seventy thousand. it was a lot mm-hmm. but we came together and decided that we're gonna pay off each other's debt so it's not like he, he his income he's responsible for his debt yep. my income i'm responsible for my debt no we combined
0: everything we combined
1: everything i helped pay down his debt and he His income helped pay down my debt. So that was one thing that we did. Um, And it was honestly, it's a lot of budgeting, a lot of sacrifice. Now with the pandemic, you know, people didn't really have anything to do and nowhere to go. So that was a lot of, you know, not spending money. Right. Yeah. So we actually kind of had a pandemic life. Like at the beginning, uh, we didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. Yeah. We just focused on one debt at a time and just was paying it off, paying it off, paying it off, paying it off. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we we're also saving money every month because we wanted to buy the condo that I was speaking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we finally got, that took us all together, maybe 18 months in total of paying down everything and saving for the condo down payment. So by then, uh, we had still a little bit of debt from the wedding. We had 45000 from the wedding. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, wow. A whole, that's, <laughs> that's a whole wedding. That could that, be a whole episode. <laughs> that could be a whole episode on wedding debt. Yeah. Um, and a little bit left on my car. Um, a little bit left on the credit cards. But a good chunk of it was... Oh, and a little bit left on his student loan and my student loan. Mm-hmm. So, um, from there... Uh, I, I still say we weren't really financially literate, better, but we still weren't investing or knew that whole world of investing, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did ask questions more. And definitely I think that is something, it's so important to ask questions Agreed. and to learn. If, if you don't know something and you go to the bank, it's their job to explain it to, like everything mm-hmm. you're signing, everything that can happen, the interest rates, that's their job. They have to tell you. So asking a lot of questions really helped.
0: But who are you asking questions to a
1: financial advisor okay at
0: yeah, the bank We met at the bank okay
1: yeah uh financial advisor at the bank um we talked to maybe two and one of them wasn't helpful at all like, <laughs> i know zero. that was my
0: experience at the bank i was like <laughs> i was like this person's not helpful at all no like yeah. zero mm-hmm. uh but then
1: there was one individual who was so helpful okay i wish i could remember his name but he was so helpful he looked at all our credit he told us what to do, step-by-step, step, what to focus on. Mm-hmm. He explained pretty much uh, debt avalanche, where you yeah. do the high interest rate, go from there. And uh, how much we need for down payment, uh, how we can get our condo, stuff like that. So he was really helpful, and that we really liked. So uh, working together as a team, got that done and then we got the condo mm-hmm. and the rest of the debt was paid off when we sold the condo at a profit mm. so
0: when you were looking at your debt so say you have $70,000 of debt yeah. and you're looking at it what are some steps that you took so did you call any lenders to like negotiate interest rates was that something that you did
1: definitely definitely okay. so looking at all that all the debt i had my husband (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i had a budget sheet and i had all the information down there and i was living on a cash budget Mm -hmm. because it was my spending was so bad my debt was so bad
0: can you explain what a cash budget is for so cash budget
1: basically when you get paid take out everything from the bank take out all your cash everything and divide it up into envelopes or jars whatever you want to use and categorize them for the bills you got to pay food you know essentials of course a little bit of fun and then the extra cash is for debt mm-hmm. and if that's not cutting it then go make more money mm-hmm. yeah sell something uh, part-time job hustle then that's also what i did so um
0: sorry where were we again? um you were review. so you called up all the creditors. yes yes yeah. so
1: next i definitely called to see if i can negotiate some bills down mm-hmm how to pay off some credit cards. Does that I, work
0: when you call them negotiate bills to people? Are they honestly
1: on um, the vibe that I got when I call is that the shock that I'm actually calling, mm. you know, when you call a creditor, most people don't, it's the creditor calling you, Yeah. you know, trying to get their money, but it's rare that people call the creditor to negotiate and get something and, you know, get right with their finances. So it's a little bit of a shock, but they are, they do work with you. Um, Some definitely don't. They don't care. They want their money, right? But it's worth it it to try. It's worth it to try, definitely. And uh, working out payment plans. And uh, I actually ended up closing credit cards because it was just so bad Mm -hmm. that the interest rate would have just... I wouldn't have been able to pay everything off. Mm -hmm. I know people say don't close credit cards because your credit history, but if you're spending so bad that sometimes you just have to do that to get back on track.
0: Yeah, personal finance is really personal. So I would say everyone for the most part you don't want to close credit cards but you need to know yourself you need to know yourself exactly (laughs) exactly
1: you need to know that you know what i gotta close this i'll just keep spending it and not learning my lessons exactly Uh, Yeah, definitely calling, calling creditors, calling collections, find out what I can do, Mm -hmm. and I went from there.
0: And then you chose a debt repayment plan. So you said you chose the Avalanche Method. Could you explain kind of what the Avalanche Method is for those who may not know?
1: So the Avalanche Method is paying the highest interest rate of whatever bill, credit that you owe, Mm -hmm. and pay that down first. So all the money goes towards that, all the extra money. Mm -hmm.
0: Pay the the minimums on yes,
1: okay, and then the minimums on the rest of the cards or the debt owing.
0: So, for somebody who's listening, maybe you have three credit cards or three different loans, let's say, and the interest rate on one is 10%, the interest rate on the other is 15%, and the interest rate on the other is 20%. Uh, but you're gonna go for the one that's 20% and pay as much money as you can towards that every month, right? And then go to the 15%, whatever I said, and then go to the 10% one. Right, but you're paying the minimums each month on on each one,
1: on the on the lowest interest rates one.
0: Yeah, yeah. and the highest interest rate one, you're, you're paying, paying as much ex, as, as much as, as you
1: can uh, to bring that down.
0: Mm-hmm. And the rationale behind that is that the interest rate will be climbing so much on the highest one that you're you're losing more money if you're like trying to pay off the lowest one first, yeah. right? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then, did you do anything else? Like, did you increase your income? Because Definitely. I know it's one thing, like everyone talks about oh you can budget your way out of this is this but like realistically <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> realistically you need to make more money yeah. i mean the debt and the interest the interest rates alone you won't you're not making that money no. so you have to make more money to get out of debt
0: so did you pick up any like side hustles or what were you doing to make more money? uh, uh
1: babysitting mm-hmm. uh babysitting children's special needs mm-hmm. and getting extra shifts for work okay so- yeah that
0: was really it. So you had to hustle, right? I had to. Yeah. Like I
1: had to. I so, I was just tired and stressed mm-hmm. and depressed of the situation I put myself in, mm-hmm. basically. And I, I wanted to get out of it.
0: Yeah. And along the way, were you tracking and your progress at all? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just to
1: make sure that things things were getting paid off one by one, and uh, the balances were going down and that's yeah. what i wanted to see in the direction i wanted to
0: go in. yeah and i think for everyone listening if you do track your progress it's a way to kind of motivate you to keep definitely. going you know yeah, definitely. it's good to track because again as you said sometimes creditors mess up you may make a payment and they may not record it so it's important yeah. for you to be tracking your your progress but then it's also important for you personally to like see those little wins like, oh, I just paid off this credit card. Now we're yeah. moving on to the next one. Yeah. My debt went from 40K to 36K. You know, like I feel like those little wins can really help somebody. Agreed. So you also said that between this 36 to 41 age, you had an emergency fund that you started building. So yes. can you tell us what an emergency fund is and how you started building this emergency fund?
1: So An emergency fund is cash that you have in a savings account for emergencies like you tire blows yeah. or water damage <laughs> <laughs> appliance breaks down mm-hmm. or a medical emergency uh, then you have that cash ready and available to pay for those emergencies mm-hmm. and you don't have to stress about it because you have it there and don't need to get yourself into more debt
0: yeah and how many months approximately do you put in your or do you suggest people put in their
1: starting out definitely when you have a lot of debt a- anything that that's yeah, my that's personal true. Just, that's true. anything yeah. Yeah. anything <laughs> you can save anything you can put aside and not touch put it aside and yeah don't touch it yeah you know and work your way towards one month and then two months mm-hmm. and three months and as the progress goes it's so helpful and nice to see you're like okay good i have yeah. this month and and just keep adding
0: to it yeah you know? i totally agree yeah <laughs> they say
1: three to six months but okay, start with
0: one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> start with one, start, month. start with literally yeah. anything that you can exactly. put in there. Yeah. yeah. And for those listening, I would say, make sure you don't invest your emergency fund. I think that's a big mistake that I see people doing where they're like, oh yeah, I have this investment that if anything happens, I can just tap into the investment. But what if the market's down like they, it kind of is right now, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> yeah. then you're going to be pulling out uh, your investments at a loss. So I don't recommend that at all. So your tag name is Forever Mrs. Budgets. Mm-hmm. So you told us what got you started budgeting, but do you, are there any methods of budgeting that you can tell us about just for the listeners if they want to start budgeting?
1: Uh, many methods of budgeting, uh, cash envelope, which we talked, we talked about, about. Mm-hmm. and the 50, 30, 20. So 50% the needs. 30 percent to once i don't want to say once i feel like i'm messing it up already i think it's one but 20 percent is like if you have a lot of debt it's for debt okay and uh yeah
0: okay let me read it off of google let's see 50 30 20 rule is one method of budgeting that can keep you aligned towards your saving goals so 50 30 20 is it doesn't even explain it in this article. I'm definitely
1: sure it's 50%. Okay.
0: It says fifty percent is essentials, thirty yes. percent is wants, and then twenty yes. percent is savings or debt, as you said. Yes. So you would just put uh and that's how you but so that's a guideline. I say it was it's not like a hard and fast rule for everyone, but that's no. a way for you to structure your budget essentially. Yeah. yeah. And are you a paper budget do you budget on no. paper or <laughs> I apps am an or Excel, Excel template budgeter mm-hmm. and zero based budgeting.
1: So What's, what is it called? Zero based budgeting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can you so, explain what that is? <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty much all of your income minus all of your bills, savings, and um, investing. And it comes out to zero yeah. at the end of it.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I do, actually. I think You're it's, like, a, I feel like it's the best way to budget because it assigns a value to or every a, dollar. Every yeah. single dollar every has single a purpose. Dollar. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, okay, I have say I make one thousand dollars and I'm like, okay, five hundred this is a unrealistic, unrealistic yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> unrealistic numbers, but let's say five hundred dollars is for my rent and then I say two hundred dollars is for my food and this and like every single dollar has a job each month. Yeah. so it's like you have no ex- no excuse, you know every, and you even allocate money, okay, this much is gonna go to fun each month. you know there's there's every single dollar has a job. and I think that's one of the best ways to go about it.
1: I definitely agree
0: yeah okay so now let's get into the fun part generational wealth and building generational wealth <laughs> so now that you've built your emergency fund you started budgeting now you are investing so how yes. did you get how did you start investing
1: so i started investing with my brother um my brother is younger mm-hmm. and he would non-stop <laughs> Pester, me and my sister, mm-hmm. well, you guys need to start investing. Oh. You guys need to start, are you starting investing? Look at this. Look at this stock. Look at this. You know, mm-hmm. nonstop. And we're like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I don't want to lose my money. And we're all stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. And just pretty much the more he pushed and talked to us about it. Like, okay, let's see what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned to invest. He actually sent me like this whole YouTube series free on how to learn investing. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Like, everything I was learning, everything he was doing, he was talking about was right. And I started investing that way. Mm, cool. I opened up a brokerage account for myself and started investing my money in stocks and ETFs.
0: Nice. Yeah. And ETFs, for those don't know that don't know, are exchange-traded funds. And it's basically a group of companies. So when people think investing, I think they often think, You have to pick one company and like put all your money in that one company. But you can actually pick a group of companies. And it's basically a very diversified portfolio compared to just putting your money in Apple, for example. Yeah. So yeah, I, I now invest in a lot of ETFs because I find it's, it's so sh- it's so much easier than trying to really research is. all these yeah. uh, different companies. So as you said, fear is a big thing that stops a lot of people from investing. And I'm sure many people listening have not invested due to fear. So how, how did you actually get over that fear of investing? Learning. L- I mean, education. I think right?
1: anybody who has a fear, it's because they don't know. They just think I'm going to lose money. Yeah. That's it. All my money is going to go to waste and, you know, I'll never recover Mm it will be too much. And it's really learning about it and understanding that, yeah, there's losses, but there's also gains and the market fluctuates. And a lot of it is language you probably don't understand, never heard of, but it's really simple once you learn and understand it, that Mm investing is not complicated. It's really not. and It's for the long term. So, yeah. Definitely. Are My there own. any
0: resources that you know that people can use, other than your page, of course? <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> like go your to, page, yeah. But <laughs> our Instagrams, or yeah. <laughs> I'll leave them in the show the notes. The YouTube
1: series mm-hmm. is by Canadian in a T-shirt, okay. and it's called Millennial. Uh, he has a playlist, and so it's like Millennial Investing and Learn to Invest. So. Mm. There's like 36 videos. Oh, wow. Very detailed. Through. Yeah, it was so detailed. It goes through everything. And mm-hmm. I watched the whole series. It was it was great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, curr- do you currently do self-directed investing or do you do robo-advisor? Do you bo- do both?
1: So for my retirement, it's self-directed. Okay. And my husband's as well self-directed. But for the kids, I do robo-advisor okay. with Wealthsimple.
0: Nice. I have a mixture as well. So... I also, and for those who don't know, robo advisors are essentially an algorithm or a robot that is going to invest on your behalf based on different trends that they see. And they, with Wealth Simple, they purchase different ETFs. So yeah, that's what I do, and yeah. so far it's going well. You know, the market is not looking too hot right now, but but <laughs> well, we know that it's a long. It's, it's getting better. It's, oh yeah, No, I'd say it's getting better. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. From the start of the year. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. But. Mm-hmm overall, like last, I think 2020 was a good year for the markets. 2021 was amazing. And then this year was like, (laughs) but But, imagine
1: starting now and
0: getting in at these numbers, right? Amazing. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but we, uh, one thing about us is we consistently invest. So we're talking about generational wealth and it's one thing for you to build your portfolio, but you're also building one for your children. So for the parents who are listening, can you teach them all right. Can you tell us how you have built your portfolio for your kids? What avenues are you using to do it?
1: No problem. So I use the registered education savings plan. Mm-hmm. It's an investment account. <laughs> it also runs as a savings account mm-hmm. where you cannot buy stocks or ETFs or anything like that. Um, it is an investment account and it is run by a wealth simple and they use a robo advisor mm-hmm. and they pick. Uh based on your risk level. So when you open the account, they're gonna ask you questions income, uh, family income, assets, stuff like that, um, kids information and how long you plan on investing. And basically they use those numbers to determine your risk level. Mm-hmm. And they'll use that risk level and then buy certain ETFs based on the risk level you chose. Now, uh when I put in all my information, the risk level was like medium, but I could be investing for the kids for eighteen years when I started, mm-hmm. so I put it to all the way to level ten to too. growth, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to growth, mine too. Yeah. yeah, because it's for the long term. Mm-hmm. And um, they do ask you, "Are you sure?" And they go through it. And I like Wealthsimple because anything they do, they explain it. Yeah, very in simple, and simple terms. Extremely yes, simple terms. Extremely simple terms. Yeah. So I did change it to the risk level of ten, mm-hmm. and I love. ETFs that they're picking you can always look it up and understand. I love all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I invest monthly every month uh, for the kids.
0: Nice. And if somebody is listening who is a parent and they want to do it themselves, but what, what are there any tips that you would give them? Like they want to start investing right now for their kids.
1: Definitely. You can also go the route of self directed RESP. Mm-hmm. I believe you can do it with Quest Trade. And of course, the big banks have it. But there are fees, so yeah. uh, definitely look out for the fees, the trading fees, because they do cost a lot of money. Yeah. But you can get self-directed and buy your own socks or ETFs for the kids. Mm-hmm. And my advice would be just to diversify.
0: Yeah. yeah. And why is it important to build generational wealth? Like, wh- wh- what is the point? Why do we need to leave our kids money? Or why do we- <laughs> what is the point?
1: <laughs> <laughs> why do we need to leave our kids money? Because a lot because, of people
0: actually say, you know, you know like, They want their kids to, like, hustle and work for, the like, everything that they have, which, of course, your kids should work for things. But why do you think it's important to build generational wealth?
1: I think it's important because if you're not building generational wealth, you're building generational debt, in my opinion. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So why would you want to carry the debt onto your kids and their kids? Like, it doesn't help them get ahead or, Mm -hmm. you know, and hustling you know the culture i understand but it can also be very negative and stressful yeah when you don't have anything to start with and maybe that might deter your kids to not even try or not even to get their own right yeah uh i mean you're obviously not giving them the money and letting them do whatever they want (laughs) and blow it Mm -hmm. and you know generation wealth is also education and learning and teaching them you know things that you didn't learn and things that they can get into and building from there. And mostly at the times, you know, when people pass on, that's when the big debt comes and all the expenses. And then the children are left with a GoFundMe page and there's no plan. And that's a lot on, on the children and the adults who are left behind to deal with that. And I don't, want to build myself i don't want to build generation of debt i want to learn about financial literacy Mm -hmm. and grow from there and teach my kids and then they're gonna know 10 times more than i'll ever know and then that generation will learn even more yeah i think that's good
0: yeah from my lens i see it the same way and it's like why would you not want to give your kids a leg up in this world? It's right, the, exa- like yeah. so many people have a leg up, especially when we think about the differences like in race, like we see that white uh, ch- children of white families are, they already have a leg up, right? right? So they are able to then do more because they have that leg up. So if we can close that gap any way we can for our kids, I think, you know, why not? Exactly. Um, my parents were able to use the same account, the RESP to, Fund my education. So I was able to go to university debt free. And when I graduated, as I said, I didn't have any debt. So that allowed me to then put all of the income that I made for my first job into or not all of it, but the majority of it into investments, whereas my friends had to put their money into paying back their student loans. So I already had a leg up. And that's why at the age of 23 or 24, I was able to have a 100K portfolio. Right. So I think if you can do it for your kids. You should like. I don't right. see. I don't see why not. Yeah, yeah. And you, there's a way to teach them in a way that won't make them spoiled as well. Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> my parents still,
0: so Maybe I still had a job when I was 15 or 16. Like yeah. I, I've had a job since forever. So, nice. yeah. Um. And can you explain the importance of investing for your children early? Because I know you post about that often. Yeah.
1: I just think the importance is. The longevity of the investment mm-hmm. i mean starting early in anything benefits you in yeah. the long run especially with compound interest and that's where it all stems from we talk about compound interest all the time online and that's where it stems from mm-hmm. the longer you have the more compound interest you grow and that grows and grows and grows exactly. so starting early is just a benefit yeah but if you're starting late you still have that benefit
0: yeah start now basically yes, exactly. <laughs> um you you posted this post on your Instagram, which is the difference between starting from your kid when uh, starting investing for your kid when they're zero versus when they are ten years old. So if you started when they were at birth and you put two hundred dollars a month as an investment, uh, using an estimated average return of ten percent, they would have eleven million dollars, eleven point eight million dollars by the time they're sixty-five. By the time they're eighteen, they would have one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Versus if you started when they were 10 years old, then at 65, they would have $4.5 million. And at 18, they would have $27,000. So we can see that there is a huge gap in that 10 years. So basically, moral of the story is start as early as you can. If you don't have kids, obviously, you can't open the account yet. But you can start preparing for when you do have them. Definitely. Yeah. Um, So are there any other ways to build generational wealth aside from investing? Any other and
1: you can start a business and pass it down mm-hmm. and i think well i mean you don't want to say investing in stocks there's also investing in real estate good
0: point oh yeah. yeah
1: and uh home ownership and you know building up your properties and building wealth that way um and as well as creating a plan like for example life insurance have that mm. and have a will um, and teaching and learning and doing better, yeah, for the kids, yeah, yeah,
0: and also just I think raising your kids in a household that is loving and kind, like oh. that, that makes a big difference. Of it right? Yeah. So <laughs> there are so many things that you can do to help your kids uh, to be have a leg up when yes. they once they are out of your home. So the last question, or actually one more question. Okay, what is your ultimate goal when it comes to building generational wealth for your children?
1: So it seems. Very basic, mm-hmm. but to do better than I did. Mm-hmm. And then for me to do better than my parents did. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's it. Yeah. And then for their children to do better than they did.
0: Yeah. And I think that should be our, all of our goals, hopefully, God willing. OK, so my last question for you is if there is one piece of advice that you give our listeners so they don't go broke trying to build generational wealth, what would that be?
1: Uh, To not give up there's so much you know negativity and people don't have support and you know when you're trying to do better friends don't like that or family <laughs> doesn't like that mm-hmm. and keep going doesn't matter what anyone thinks keep at it yeah stay positive find people around you who are doing the same thing to keep going and just don't give up keep
0: yeah. trying I think what you mentioned about finding people around you is a very like that's key yeah that having people key. who all who have similar, goals as you for their kids or Mm -hmm. they have the same mindset as you i think will take you a long way because if all of if your if your friends all want to spend lots of money all the time and they're not focused on investing at all that's okay for them but it may deter you and you may like start doing the habits that they do so if you surround yourself by like-minded people it's definitely Definitely better, in my opinion. <laughs> I
1: agree, Agreed.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Could you please plug yourself? If someone wanted to find you, where would they find you? They if can you, find If me. you want to be found. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. They can find me on Instagram at Forever Mrs. Budget.
0: Perfect. And I will make sure to leave that in the... Uh, show notes so that you can find her and she posts every single day I think I
1: try, yeah, I try. I'm
0: like with two kids I don't know how you do it because sometimes I'm like I'm tired of posting
1: <laughs> but, I try to post it but yeah
0: I will leave your all your info in the show notes and make sure you check her out uh, check Natalie out because she has a lot of great content on that page thank so thank you all for watching I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode make sure to like this video if you're watching on YouTube make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you are watching listening on apple Podcasts or on spotify and leave us a review if you like this and also share on your story so tag natalie and i uh, at forever mrs budget and at xo Rennie and at don't go broke trying so that we can reshare your posts. so thank you once again for listening and we will see you in the next episode where we will be answering some of your questions bye everyone i hope you learned something that will help you not go broke If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and share this episode with a friend. You can continue the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag DGBTPod. This episode was produced by Seldom & Co. with music by Wonder Girl.